Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So I wanted to also just say to you that today we are going to look at this topic in a way that I think is going to be refreshing for all of us. I'm going to talk to you about what it looks like to not waste our past, but more importantly, to be sometimes forced to return to a place that we had left behind for good. One of the difficulties in our lives is just being able to accept the fact that God doesn't let us waste our past. He doesn't let us just move away from it, leaving things behind in it until they have been dealt with to a level and to a degree that the Holy Spirit himself releases us from when we are doing the hard work of dealing with what has happened in our past. I want us to look at this year and imagine that it's going to be a year filled with promise, that it's a year filled with hope, that it's one that is filled with an expectation of a God who loves us and who is with us and who is for us and is going to help us experience and achieve great things. It's not always easy to have that framework in our minds and in our lives and sometimes the discipline to put the boundaries and the parameters in place to experience it on a day-to-day basis. But if we can start from the fact that God wants this for us and that even when we are in the struggles of this life and we are being challenged and we don't see things working out and we are in the wilderness of the waiting, then we can nonetheless look to God and say, I still believe in the promise that you have given me. When we look at particularly some characters in the Bible, we see them as being, well, more blessed than others. We see them having the favor of God more than someone else. And, well, they've been chosen for a specific purpose. There's a plan that God has, and he needs these people to enact that plan so that God can fulfill his purpose. And sometimes the person who's asked is unwilling. They're reluctant. They're afraid. They look at their shortcomings, and very often they are looking at their past. And when they look at their past, they say, I can't do this, and here are all the reasons why. And whether you believe this or not, I want you to know that Moses was that person. Moses was someone who believed strongly that he could not ever return to his past. In fact, he fled from it. And so what I want us to look at today in terms of the life of Moses is what is actually required for the promise in our lives to be fulfilled. Like what needs to happen so that I too can inherit the promise of God, that my life can be blessed, that my life can see those great things that I hope for and believe God for and hear him 
remind me of in the scriptures. Moses was forced to return. And yet Moses left Egypt in fear, but now God is saying, you have to return in faith. You couldn't do it before, but I'm telling you, you have to do it now. Before you wanted to do things in my name and by your hand and in your strength, and you went about it the wrong way, and you never really felt wanted, not by the Israelites, the Hebrews, and not by the Egyptians, your adopted foster family. And as a result, you never imagined that you felt in either world. So you left to go and create a world of your own. You went to a place so that you could start over and leave everything behind. Did you ever do that? Just leave everything behind? Leave the people who might have raised you? Leave the things that you had a, a link to and a past with and just felt like this stuff is all going to stay in the past. It's not going to come with me. Well, Moses did exactly that. And he went and he found himself his own family to start with. And, and it was when he had started over, when he had spent 40 years building his life and, 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 and leaving the past behind, that God came back to him and forced him to return. The thing about Moses is that he was someone who left a murderer. But now God is asking him to return and be a deliverer. Now those are two very different things. A murderer and a deliverer in the same person. And, and then it tells us that God is able to redeem all of us. That he's able to redeem anything in our past. That there is nothing that he is not able to turn around. And so Moses, who was a murderer, is now a deliverer. And only God would do such a thing. Only God would choose someone who made mistakes, even though his own people, his own mother, sister, and brother were inspired to believe that if Moses could be saved when all the other children died, then surely he would be used by God. But then that promise died. Then it didn't happen. When people looked at Moses, all they could think of was how he had ruined his opportunity. Had God had put him in the palace, but he deserved to be in a prison. And because he wasn't going to go to prison, he decided to escape and start his life over somewhere else. And then God forced him to return. You see, Moses left his past behind him, but God forced Moses to face it nonetheless. I once had a friend in high school who was incredibly close to me, my best friend, and we did everything together. And the time came when I became a person of faith and we went off to see Jeff. And, and that's where God reached me just as I was heading into university and began to work in my life and change things and change the person who I was and change my, my direction and my purpose and my intent for life. 
And this best friend of mine just struggled with that because we had done everything together. Our lives together were very different than they were now. And I kept speaking of this faith and talking about the changes and how I couldn't do those things anymore, how I didn't want to do them, how I didn't feel like that was my direction in my life. And it got to the point where the pressure got to be so much that I just began to pray that God would just release me from this person. I didn't have the strength to always resist him, and so I found myself being pulled back into the old things and into the old life and into the old temptations that wished to... I used to not even look at temptations. I used to just look at them as just my life. But now I saw them as temptations. I saw them for what they were. I saw them for the evil that it was and, and for how it made me feel and for how it was altering my mind and how it was just breaking my, my soul. And, 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 and the more I tried to resist him, the harder it would become, the more the fights would intensify. And, and uh, I just found myself withdrawing from him and there was a lot of pressure. And, and he had so many problems in his, in his own household. Like, like I, he really needed me and depended on me because things were not good at home. And I felt this obligation to, to, to be the strong friend that God wanted me to be for him and to be that friend that I had always been, but I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Got to the point where he came to me and spoke to me and said, you know, my, my parents have made a decision that they're moving uh, out of province. And, and I looked at that and I said, God, wow, you, you, you saved me. You delivered me from something that I wasn't able to handle at that time. You took a friend who was really my best friend and his influence over my life. And you did this so that I could get stronger. But something happened that years later, as now a pastor and many years had gone by, and I found myself taking a flight and I was actually heading to the city in which he was in. And, uh, and on that flight, uh, someone walks by me and I says, wow, that looks a lot like somebody that I know. And then sure enough, I, I turn around in my seat and just a few seats back on the opposite aisle, it was my old best friend. And I thought to myself, wow, that's crazy. Like now God wants me to see him, speak to him. Like, just who knows how things will be different now? Because we had spoken to each other in years. But, you know, it was like a, a six-hour flight, and, and, and the more time passed, the more I built it up in my mind, and the more I built it up in my heart, and it became bigger and stronger. And then, more importantly, I remembered all the pain and, and the trauma, and, and, and I remembered the, 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 the sin and the sinfulness, and I, I remembered all the, the, the bad times more than I remembered any of the good. Does that ever happen to anybody else? And then as I was sitting there, I felt like I can't go back to this. And so even though we had the entire flight, I never once spoke a word to him. And then I waited for him to get off the plane, and he did. And then I said, okay, it's safe. I can go. And I finally got out of my seat, the last person on the plane. I got out of my seat and made it out, and then got into the airport, and, and there he was, just waiting for me. I'm like, well, why won't this guy go? Like, well, just leave me alone. And in that moment, I had this ability to just like keep walking towards him and finally say the words, 
hi, it's been a while, or something to that extent. You know what I did instead? I just kept walking. I just walked out of the airport, and I never looked back. If you want to leave now, you can. Because <laughs> it's a horrible thing to do. And sometimes it's good to talk about the, the moments when we were not really who we were supposed to be. Does that, does that make sense? And the thing about this story is that I had an opportunity because God wouldn't let me escape my past. And he was forcing me to face it, but I wasn't ready to. Has anybody else like just walked away from a similar opportunity because God kept bringing you back, but you just weren't ready to deal with it? Here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know, because I've seen it after this, is that this opportunity keeps coming back until I deal with it. And God's not going to let me not deal with it until it's dealt with. I'm going to be forced to face it. Now, the thing about Moses is that he needed the promise fulfilled in his life. So he was trying to fulfill it his own way. Now, here's what happens in this story. And, and sometimes we don't want to hear these things, but I'm going to tell you them anyways, because they're in the scripture and they're important for us to experience the fulfillment of his promise. And one of the worst things that I could discover about the life of Moses was the trajectory that he had to go through in terms of what was needed to be done to be able to experience the fulfillment of the promise. And the first thing is, the promise fulfilled requires respect to those in authority. Now, the whole thing about leaving things in the past is about becoming our own person, starting over, and no longer allowing the people in our past who had authority to continue to have authority over us. I think one of the reasons why we don't go back and one of the reasons why I kept avoiding this person in my story was because they had authority over me in a way that I didn't like and in a way that I didn't feel strong enough to resist and to overcome. And so what we read in the story is this, is that Moses speaks to his father-in-law even though God reveals himself in a burning bush. And, and he goes to his father-in-law, and look at this, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 18, and he says, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law, and then he says to him these words, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. I don't even know if they're still alive. And then Jethro replies, go in peace. And so then it says that Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Now, he just had God reveal himself in a burning bush. The last people you ever want to speak to after you've had an encounter with God are your in-laws. Am I right or am I wrong? The last people you want to go and ask permission to is an in-law. That's what you would imagine would be the case for everyone. And I think at this point... You know, Moses has his own 
authority over his own household, but he goes to his father-in-law and says, please let me return. He says the words, please let me return. So he does this with his father-in-law. Let's take a look at it. Moses then needs to do this with his brother. His brother is three years older than him. At this point, in that burning bush experience where God speaks to Moses, Moses is 80 years old, Aaron is 83 years old. And so Aaron is his older brother. And therefore, in his household, he is the authority. And so what God does is that he speaks to Aaron, who is the eldest, and tells him to go and to meet Moses at the mountain. And this is what happens. So now the Lord had said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And so Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. And then Moses then told Aaron everything that the Lord had commanded him to say. And he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. And so now he's gone to his father-in-law, and he now has gone to his brother. And then here's what Moses does next. Now he goes into Egypt, instead of going directly to Pharaoh's throne, which you would imagine is what he was supposed to do, Moses finds other authorities. Now, Moses speaks to Israel's leaders. And it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, that Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and they called all the elders of Israel together. And then Aaron told them everything that the Lord had told Moses. Now, why is Aaron speaking? Because Moses still has no credibility among his own people. Because in that moment, Moses is still a murderer. In that moment, Moses comes back as a murderer. He comes back more Egyptian than Hebrew. He comes back not as a deliverer. So he needs Aaron, who was among those people. And Aaron, who had the authority to speak into that room, he has Aaron do the talking. And Aaron is the one who now tells them why they should listen to Moses. And now Moses comes forward. And the scriptures say that in that moment, to prove that everything had happened as Aaron had said it, it says that he performed the miraculous signs as they watched. And then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. And when they heard that the Lord had concerned, was concerned about them and had seen their misery, then they bowed down and they worshiped. And when they had all been spoken to, look at this, then Moses delivers the message to Pharaoh. Amazing, right? And you see how he submitted himself to receive promise. He revisits his past to become the deliverer. 
He can't be the person he is until he deals with that. And once he's dealt with it, what happens is that the power of God is, in, is unleashed in Moses' life, and he's able to perform miraculous signs for them. And God allows this so that the people will be convinced because they needed to see those signs. In the same way that Jesus came among his people and performed signs, miraculous signs, so that people would believe that God was indeed sending them a deliverer. And so in the same way that Jesus was able to perform miraculous signs, Moses is doing that in this story. And so the problem with this story is that it isn't a story that has any hope unless Moses takes these steps. I want God to bless your life. I really want him to do incredible things. But if we don't deal with the things in our past, if we don't learn from them and grow from them, if we don't confront them and face them, and I'm not saying that we are going to be able to redeem, restore, and somehow reconcile with everything in our past. It's not always going to turn out the way we want. It's not always going to be possible to bring back that which was taken, lost, possibly squandered along the way. But it is going to be possible for you to heal, to be able to be the one who carries the promise of God into the future that God has already prepared for you. But you cannot go forward until you're willing first to go back. And he goes through these steps, and he does this because he now realizes that he needs to confront Pharaoh. He needs to confront him. And this is a powerful moment in which we see that this presentation to Pharaoh is what happens next. And so what... Moses does is that he goes to Pharaoh. Now he can, because he's taken care of the things in his past. And I love what he says to him. In Exodus 5, and in verse 1, it says that after this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and they spoke to Pharaoh, and then they told him these words. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And now we all remember this part, which is, I think, Many of us have heard this before where it says, let my people go. But the part that follows is this, so that they may hold a festival, which is a feast, which is basically a celebration, and that they would do it in my honor, and look at this, and that they would do it in the wilderness. That they would do this in the wilderness. And this is what we're going to look at in just a few moments. But it's important that we know what it is that Moses actually says to Pharaoh. Now, when Moses tried to bring about the result that he wanted, which was the freedom of his people, Moses tried to do it by his own hand. But the second principle is this, that the promise can only be fulfilled by God's hand, not our own. And so if we look at the promise of God, 
it can only be fulfilled when it's God himself who fulfills it. If it's done by our hand, then it's by our power, it's by our, and it's for our glory. But it needs to be by God's power, so it is for God's glory. So that no one can take credit and we can look to God and say, this was beyond my ability, beyond my capacity, beyond my resources, beyond my intelligence, beyond anything that I had at my availability, and beyond anything anyone could have given me or come alongside me and helped me to accomplish. None of these things are enough to fulfill the promise of God. The only one who can fulfill the promise of God is God. Now, sometimes I feel like I'm the one who's either standing in the way of God fulfilling his promise or trying to help God to fulfill his promise. But what I've come to understand is that when God makes a promise, there is power in resting being still and knowing that God will fulfill the promise. That what he's looking from me is for me to be true to him, to be faithful to him, to believe in the promise regardless of the circumstances of my life, regardless of what is happening, regardless of what is going on. And so Moses, the Bible tells us, that the Lord tells Moses this, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Remember, it's God saying this. When he feels, and then he says, the force of my strong hand, and then he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. Now, we know that Moses committed murder by his own hand. And he tried to deliver an Israelite from the abuse that he was experiencing by his slave guards that were Egyptian. And the Bible says that he found this person who had been abusing the Israelite slaves and he murdered him and he buried his body in the desert. And, and he did this because he saw himself as a deliverer. And he believed that God was going to use him. The problem is, is that he tried to do it by his own hand. Now, God says, I need you to understand this principle. If you want to see my promises fulfilled in your life, it's not going to be by your hand. It's going to be by my strong hand. Is that clear? Does that make sense? It's going to be God who brings that about. So that's the second principle. The first one is that we are forced to face our past and respect those in authority over our lives because the ultimate authority in our lives is God. And when we respect lesser authorities, we are giving greater authority to the greatest authority there is, which is God. When you understand authority, you understand that those people are also under God. But if you don't respect the authorities and pray for the authorities and face the authorities and deal with the authorities, then how are you going to be in a relationship with the greatest authority of all? How are you going to walk with God if you don't understand that he is the authority that has the ultimate say in your life? 
if you then are unable to respect the lesser authorities in your life? How are you going to experience the fulfillment of God's promise if you believe that your hand is stronger than the hand of God? That every time something great happens in your life, you praise yourself instead of praising the Lord. That you give others thanks more than you give Jesus thanks for having brought them into your life. How are you going to see the fulfillment of God's promises for greater things if you are unable to see the hand of God in everything? Everywhere, doing whatever is required to fulfill his promises for your life. I want to believe in the strength and in the power of God's hand, not in my own. Not in the hand of someone who I even respect having authority. I don't want to look to that person and to say, their hand is going to make this happen. I only believe in one hand and that is in the hand of God. His strong hand. And, and, and Moses receives this word from God himself. And he says, I'm going to make this happen, Moses, but it's not going to be by your hand like you tried to do in the past. It's going to be by my hand. And that's how you're going to experience the fulfillment of my promises in your future. The third thing. And by the way, there's only three things, so don't worry. <laughs> Is that the promise fulfilled will look like worship in the wilderness. And when I, when I read this, it kind of like just took me back to understanding how I can look at my life and look at what's happening in my life and find myself in the wilderness, and, and being in the wilderness means that I don't feel like worshiping God. It means that I don't feel like trusting Him, believing in Him. It means that I've lost sight of the promise, and most likely, I just don't believe that it can come to my life. But there's something beautiful about what He says in these verses, and I want to read them to you. And it says this in the story in which we're in, that you are going to announce to him this, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. And until now, you have refused to listen to him. Imagine that Moses has to keep going back to Pharaoh, right? And he keeps reminding him that this is what the promise is going to look like. It means that they're going to not be in the promised land, but they're going to have to worship him in the wilderness. They'll be out of Egypt, but in between Egypt and the promised land, there was a, a requirement to worship God in the wilderness. I just want to get out of Egypt and just like the Israelites, just walk the three days it would take to step into Canaan, which would have been the promised land. I don't want 
this in-between part that, that God is already telling his people. And, and it's like God knew that they would rebel. They, he knew that they would look back. He knew that they'd want to go back. He knew that they would love to go back rather than keep going forward. He knew that they would rather stay slaves than live free. He knew that even though he had given them a deliverer, that they wouldn't want that deliverance. He knew all of that. And yet, in spite of this, God still tells them, I want you to release my people to Pharaoh. And this is a message to all the Israelites, because for you to experience the promise, you're going to have to first worship me in the wilderness. Now, many times I don't get to experience the promises of God in my life previously because I didn't understand the purpose of the wilderness. And I didn't understand what I needed to do when I was in that wilderness. I needed to understand that I needed to worship in the wilderness. Anybody else? Anybody else still struggling with that? I, I, I think that's the hardest time in which to do it. Now, when you get out of Egypt, I think you're, you're kind of looking on your past and you're saying, this wilderness is better than the slavery I was in. But you're still in the wilderness, right? And it gets to the point where you resent the wilderness that you're in. And if you're in it for as long as the Israelites were in it, then you stop believing in the promise altogether because you start to realize that the only thing God seems to want from me is worship in the wilderness. And I hate God for that. And what happened is that the people hated worshiping God in the wilderness. And it got to the point where they would rather make their own idol and worship that than continue to worship a God who wouldn't let them leave the wilderness. Is this starting to make sense? You see what's happening in the story? It's happening in our own lives, you see. It gets to the point where we stop worshiping God in the wilderness and then we fashion idols. We make gods of our own hands. And we leave God and we kneel at idols and we say, this is God. This is going to be my God in this wilderness. Forget this God. This God who promised to be my deliverer. Forget this God who talks about having a strong hand. Forget this God who promised me a land with milk and honey. And instead, all I'm living is the wilderness instead. I'm tired of this God. And so I will go and I will make a God of my own likeness. And I will worship there instead. Oh, man. I've done that. I've done that when I've been tired. I've done that when I've been weak. I've been that when I've been frustrated, when I've been angry. I was filled with frustration and resentment towards God when I, when I didn't want to worship God in the wilderness that I was in. But here's what the scriptures promise us. That if we worship God in the wilderness, then we are prepared for what comes next in the promised land. And the promise that God has for you is going to be forged in your life and through the experiences of worshiping God in the wilderness. You will not be the person that God needs you to be unless you go through that process of having to worship him in the wilderness. 
And so the next time you look at your wilderness and you don't feel like worshiping him and you feel like making an idol and following that instead, stand up like Joshua did and say these words. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you do that? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when God takes me out of the wilderness, I will know that I can leave this behind because he will have given me something new and will have fulfilled his promise to me. God bless you guys. Thank you, Father, for every person. For everyone that's here, for the meal that's been prepared, thank you for those hands that prepared it. Thank you, Lord, for those lives that sacrificed for it. Thank you for the contributions, the giving. Thank you for the volunteers, everyone that is making this church such a a special gift to this community. We pray for all communities of faith in our city. We pray for them in our province. We pray for them around the world. And we ask, Lord, that you would fulfill your promises in all of your people's lives. You see who is here today. You see what they need. And you see what they require of you and how difficult it may be for them to respect the authorities, to believe in a hand that is stronger than their own, to possibly even just looking at their past, not trust the season in which they're in, the wilderness that they're still experiencing and not believing in the promise that you have offered them. Today, I pray, God, that you would change our minds and our hearts, transform us from the inside out, and lead us to the fulfillment of your promise for each of our lives. And we pray this in the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.